Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church Conway. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. Thanks for listening. We are so honored that you are joining us this morning as we continue our study of the Gospel of Luke. Before we begin, uh, I just want to give you an overview of where we've been and where we'll be, because we're going to be in the book of Luke for for a couple of months. Um, We just wrapped up a sermon series where on three separate occasions, angels appeared to people before Jesus' birth. So the first week was when the angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah. The second one was when Gabriel appeared to the Virgin Mary. And the, the, the third one was when the angels appeared to the shepherds to announce the good news that Jesus had been born. So today and, and next week, we're going to be in a, a small two-week mini-series called At the Temple. And in these two sermons, we're going to look at a couple of events of, of pretty, pretty enormous significance where Jesus is at the temple. Now, this, these two interactions are before Jesus has grown. This is today, Jesus is six weeks old in the, in the sermon or in the passage we're looking at today. And next week, He'll be 12 years old. So this is before Jesus is is launched into his life and ministry. But there are two really important events that happen at the temple. And we're going to take a look at that. After the new year, we're then going to follow the life and ministry of Jesus. And as he interacts with people, we're going to see some of his characteristics on display. And so we're going to take from that ways that we should grow and look like Jesus throughout the whole book of Luke, all the way up to uh, the the cross and and him and his journey to the cross. So we hope that you'll join us as we continue in this story of the gospel of Luke. So I don't know about you, but Christmas time is one of my favorite times of the year. I am so nostalgic. I I love telling stories. And whenever my family is all gathering together around Christmas time, it's one of my favorite things in the world. Uh, When I think about Christmas time and all the traditions that we we have as a family, uh, the one that pops out to me is is opening presents as a family on Christmas Eve afternoon. Um, So to back up just a little bit, on, on the 23rd, my brother, my sister, my cousin, and I, every year we would go to eat dinner, Uh, at Denny's with my grandfather. And then he would take us to a movie. And after the movie, we'd come back to his house and he would, we we would open up a present. And this present was always some sort of matching and themed pajamas that we would sleep in that night. The next morning we'd wake up, have a huge pancake breakfast, and then go do some sort of work outside and then come back for lunch where my, my parents and my aunts and uncles, they would all be back. And we'd eat lunch and then everybody would get in a circle and they would get their pile of gifts and we'd all sit down together. And the tradition is that the youngest starts and one by one, they open up a gift and then the next youngest opens up the gift until all of them are gone. I love this part of our, I love this part of our family tradition and I love watching our family open gifts. Um, what I love seeing the, the kids. So, so when the kids, when it's not their turn, they'll, they'll grab a package and, you know, give it a little shake. They may turn it upside down, try to get a feel of all of the, the different package, the, the little, uh, nooks and crannies of it. They may even poke a hole to try and, uh, catch a glimpse of the gift before it's actually their turn. Uh, my, my grandmother, she all, every year she gets one gift. It's always the same every year. 
It's a, it's a family calendar. It's got all, it's of all the months, it's got pictures of our family, young and old, the grandkids, the great grandkids, pictures of my, my parents and their family when they were young. And this, this calendar, it's like a scrapbook meets a calendar. Every year, my grandmother gets one. And I always look forward to when she opens it because my aunt will pack it in a different kind of box every year. So she, you never really know what package it's going to be. So I always watch my grandmother when she's opening because we never know when that calendar is open. And she, she loves it so much. I, I love watching her open up that calendar. And I'm sure growing up, you got a gift that just wasn't quite wrappable, if you know what I'm saying. It's an oddly shaped or maybe it is wrapped, but you... Judging by the wrapping, you have no idea what that is. I love it when somebody in our family gets a gift like that because as they, they have this confused look on their faces, they're trying to figure out what it is. When they finally take off the wrapping paper and it's revealed, their face gives this, oh, now I get it. That face, one of my favorites. I love seeing that. There's just something about my family opening gifts that, that is just so fulfilling to me. Seeing their reactions, seeing the joy on their face when they get a present. That is just so fulfilling for me. Today, we are going to look and meet a guy named Simeon. And Simeon is a guy who, in this passage, he meets Jesus as an infant for the first time. And in this instant, when he meets Jesus, there is a joy that he has. And his reaction is very similar to one that we might feel when we open up a gift that we've long awaited for. Before we, before we dive into the text, let's pray and then, and then we'll, we'll jump in. God, thank you for who you are. God, we're thankful for your word. God, we, we pray as we open up your scriptures, God, that you would speak through your word. God, that your, your word would penetrate our hearts. God, that, that we might fall more in love with you because of who you are and how you reveal yourself to us through your text today. Lord, may we be able to see how your promise from the beginning of time is fulfilled in Jesus as we dive into this passage today. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter two. We are going to be in verses 25 through 32. But also if you've got your scripture notebook, your CSV scripture notebook uh, of Luke that we've been given out, um, we're going to be on page 18. Before, before we dive into the text, though, I do want to, to ask, you, ask you to do something for me. If you've got a pen or a pencil or a highlighter handy, we're going to come across some words in this passage that all point to a, a theme, a theme of sight, a theme of seeing. And, and I believe that Luke purposely and deliberately uses these words to build in us an anticipation for when Jesus sees or when Simeon sees Jesus for the first time. So if you would take your, take your pen, underline, circle, highlight, however you're going to do it, make note of the words as we come across that remind you and that make you think about this theme of sight, this theme of seeing. Okay, so in chapter two, what, what's going on before here, Jesus has already been born. Um, this story actually takes place about 40 days after Jesus' birth. So you, his parents, Mary and Joseph, were great Jewish parents, and they were raising a child, a, a male, in, in the Jewish customs, which meant that Jesus would have been circumcised on the eighth day, and then there would have been a 33-day period of purification process that would happen, that was customary for all Jewish males and, and families to go through. And then at that point, after that, would you take your male son into the temple to present him 
to the Lord. That is where we find our story today. And that is where we find Simeon. He is at the temple awaiting this moment. So let's pick up in, in verse 25. It says, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation and the Holy Spirit was on him. So right there, looking forward, right there. That's the first hint that we have of this theme of sight and seeing, okay? So this looking forward. Now, in this, in this verse, we've got three separate descriptions of Simeon. And each of these tell us a little something about Simeon, okay? So this, 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 there's a lot loaded into this one verse. The first thing, he's religious, or sorry, he's righteous and devout. This would mean that, that Simeon is very familiar with the history of the people of Israel, God's people. He is very much aware of the, the history and, and, and from the beginning of the time with the patriarchs, with Adam, he is, or he is very well aware of what um, his, uh, Israel has been through. He knows that Israel has been chosen by God through a covenant with Abraham in Genesis 12. He knows that Israel through Moses is brought out of Egypt, out of slavery and delivered and then given the law in Exodus and, and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. He, he knows that Israel is a people who are given possession of their land in Joshua. And, and, and he's also aware that from that moment on, Israel has this roller coaster ride with the Lord where they, they, they tend to follow him and then they don't follow him. And they follow him and then they don't follow him. And as a result, ultimately, they end up in exile. Simeon is aware of all of this, okay? He's religious, he is righteous, he is devout. He knows all of these things. The second thing that this, this verse tells us is that he's looking forward to Israel's consolation. Okay, this word consolation that we see is in Greek I mean it's parakalesis, which which can translate to comfort. Okay, and that's important for us because, as I said, Simeon knows the history. He knows the history of Israel. He also knows and understands the prophecies of the, of, the, of the prophets about the judgment for when Israel turns their back on God. They turn their back on God and they are rightly judged by him. And, and he knows that, uh, specifically in Isaiah, that judgment is coming to, uh, that, that came to the people. He's aware of those judgments. But more importantly, and, and, and probably more significantly to this passage, Simeon would, would know and be aware of the promise of hope that's given through Isaiah. And this hope is comfort, okay? We see, we see this word comfort used in Isaiah 40. It says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Isaiah 49, the Lord will comfort his people. Isaiah 51, the Lord will comfort Zion. Isaiah 57, God will lead and restore comfort to Israel. Simeon is looking forward to Israel's consolation in anticipation because he knows that there is a coming Messiah. He knows that the Messiah, the Savior, is coming at some point. So, so Simeon sees the big picture of, of the history of Israel. He sees it all. He, he understands it. He's devout. He's righteous. He's looking forward to is the comfort that, that is coming with a Savior. But, 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 but Simeon has a little bit more insight than, 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 than may seem. The next, the next description says that the Holy Spirit was on him. Now, what we're going to read in just a second is that he, he actually gets to lay his eyes on the Messiah. So uh, if we, we pick up, so it, the end of verse 25 says about Simeon, that he's looking forward to Israel's consolation and the Holy Spirit was on him. Verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Again, 
those, the three were revealed to him, see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. This theme of sight, this theme of seeing is, is, is building in us an anticipation for what Simeon will see. And what he will see is with his own eyeballs, the baby Jesus. That, that is promised to him in verse 26. Imagine being Simeon. Imagine every day from the moment that the Holy Spirit reveals to you that you will see the, whole, that you will see the Lord's Messiah. Every day, waking up, wondering, is this the day? Is this the day? Is this the day? Until finally one day it happens. You get to see him. And we pick that up in verse 27. Verse 27 says, Guided by the Spirit, he, being Simeon, entered the temple. When the parents brought the child Jesus in to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Imagine the deep satisfaction, the peace that Simeon must have felt when he held the newborn that led him to ultimately say, at last, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you have promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. I, I get chills thinking about the magnitude of that moment with Simeon holding a child, the, the magnitude of that moment in such a simple act as in holding a child. But in that moment, God had ordained from the beginning of time that Simeon would hold and see the Lord's Messiah. Such a cool thing to think about. But, but this moment is not lost on Simeon. This, this, this moment, Simeon, remember, he knows the history of Israel. He knows that, that, that there is a savior coming. And then the Holy Spirit reveals to him that he will see the child before he dies. So when he holds the child in his arms in this moment, he knows the gravity of this moment. And so much so that he says, Lord, you can take me, dismiss your servant in peace as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. That, that line, verse 30, my eyes have seen your salvation is such a theologically packed statement that we're going to unpack in just a second. Um, but it's such a rich, rich statement. And this is where the climax of all of Luke's sight and seeing themes come to a head, right? He was looking forward to Israel's consolation. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. All of this language of seeing and sight leads us to, in anticipation, think about what it is that Simeon sees. Okay. And what he sees, he says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. What he saw while he was holding the infant, Jesus, was salvation. So again, this, this whole idea of sight and seeing leads us to think, to, to place an enormous significance upon what it is that Simeon saw. And so what did he see when he held the child? What did he see? What was it that he saw when he held that child? Remember, this is way bigger than a guy holding a baby. This is way bigger than that. This is the history of Israel. The Messiah is coming to save. And in this moment, this is, this is, this is a magnificent moment. Okay. So what did, what did Simeon see when he held Jesus in his arms? The first thing, Simeon sees a promise fulfilled. Okay. On a very micro level. Simeon, a man, is holding a child that the Holy Spirit told him he would see before he died. That's a promise fulfilled. This is way bigger than a guy holding a baby. You back up on a macro, on a broad scale, you see that Simeon is holding the promise of the Messiah 
to Israel. He is holding the promise that all of the Old Testament spoke to. He is holding the promise that God spoke through Abraham when he said that you are going to have a child even in your old age and he will be an heir and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through him. And in his descendants was, was David who uh, on his, in his promise with the Lord, the Lord told him that his, one of his descendants would sit on the throne and reign forever. And in this moment, Simeon is holding all of that promise fulfilled in a little baby. This, this is an enormous moment. Simeon sees a promise fulfilled. This promise was way bigger and way deeper and extends way further than a man holding a child. This promise extends to an entire history of people who were longing and waiting for their savior. This is a huge moment. Simeon sees a promise fulfilled. The second thing Simeon sees is salvation extended. Okay, again, not, not, to, not to repeat myself, but, but Simeon is holding, he, he's holding the child, the Messiah. He knows history, the history of Israel. He knows, he knows that this Messiah is the Savior that um, the Holy Spirit told him. This, was, this is the Lord's Messiah. This is the Savior for Israel. But just as the, the, the promise that he saw fulfilled was way bigger than him holding a baby. This salvation is not just, it does not lend itself just to the, to the Israelites. This salvation is for all people. And, and we know that because look at, look at verse 31 and 32. So I'm going to read 30. It says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people. Israel. This, this was a huge, huge statement. Okay. Salvation was no longer only for the Israel, for Israel from the beginning of time, the God who declares the end from the beginning, he made this baby to come and save all people and bring all people back to himself. This is enormous. Think back to when the angels appeared to the shepherds. What did, what did, what did they say? They said, don't be afraid. For I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people, not just the Israelites. So Simeon sees a promise fulfilled, not just to himself, but to an entire nation. And he sees salvation extended, not just to this nation, but to the entire world. This is a big moment. This is a magnificent moment, way bigger than a guy seeing a, a, a baby. So what does the story mean? Why, why is this story even in the Bible? Why, 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 why is this significant? Why are we talking about this story at the temple? Well, if you, if you back up to the beginning of Luke's gospel in, 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 in chapter one, verse three and four, he says, I have carefully investigated everything from the first to write to you an orderly sequence so that you may know the certainty of the things which you have been instructed. He's writing to his audience to tell, to tell them they can know for certain the things that they have been told about Jesus. He's writing us so that we can know with certainty that Jesus is who he says he is. He wrote so that we would believe. He wrote so we could see. He wrote so we could see that Jesus is greater and better than anything that this world could offer. So the question is, do you see? Do you see? Do you see Jesus as the promise fulfilled? Do you see Jesus as salvation for all? Our, our prayer today, my prayer today for you is that for, for you, for those of you who have not put your trust in Jesus and have not put Jesus king of your life, is that you would see Jesus is who he says he is. 
that you would see him as the promise fulfilled. You would see him as salvation for all. And that you would make him king of your life. John uh, chapter 8 verse 12 says, uh, Jesus is speaking and he says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Choose Jesus. For those of you who don't know him, choose him. But that, but that challenge doesn't just stop with non-believers. Every single one of us, myself included, we need to choose Jesus every day, every moment, every second, every minute, every hour, every day, every week, every month, in every decision, we need to choose Jesus. As we head into 2021, we think about choosing Jesus in the way that we respond to people who don't think the same way as we do. We choose Jesus in the way that we, were, we, we, we give our money. We, cho- we choose Jesus in the way that we love our neighbors who don't know the love of Jesus. We choose Jesus and we choose to walk in light. I started out the sermon talking about Christmas gifts. Uh, and to be honest with you, the, the greatest gift that I've ever received are my wife and my kids. Um, it's hard for me to read this story of, of Simeon and not think about the first time I got to hold my kids. Specifically, what comes to mind is, is, is the journey we, my wife and I and, and son, we tra- we, the journey that we traversed in our, in our adoption of our baby girl. Um, Simeon, he waited a long time to see the Messiah. And from the beginning of our adoption journey, when we knew that God was calling us to grow our family through adoption, it was 20 months until we finally got to lay eyes on our sweet girl. And along the way, there were nine different times and we had potential matches that fell through for, for a variety of reasons. But every time that a match failed, we were comforted by the Lord who, because we knew he had called us to it and he was going to fulfill it. So the day Zoe was born, I remember we were, we were out on the lake. We were wakeboarding and skiing with some friends and we got a phone call from our social worker. Hey, just wanted to give you a heads up. Um, Zoe's mom, she is going to the hospital to get checked out. Her blood pressure is pretty high, but we're just letting you know she's going, not a big deal. So we continue on the day, swimming, doing all the things. About an hour, hour, 15 minutes later, we get a phone call. Okay, so she's actually gonna have the child. She's not gonna leave the hospital without having the baby today. So we scramble, we head to the dock, we, we, we run to our car. The, the lake we were at was an hour and a half away from our home. So all the planning of, of two and a half weeks that we, we, we were working on was, was crammed into an hour and a half long drive home. And so we're calling, organizing where Rhett's going to stay. We call to make sure our work is, is, is handled. And about 30 minutes out, we get a picture and we see this baby girl for the first time. And our hearts just long to see this child. We cannot wait. We get home, we get all our stuff sorted. Rhett gets off with his grandparents and we begin driving. We begin driving toward uh, Tupelo, Mississippi, down the Natchez Trace and in the middle of all that, there was, our, there was a tornado that came through that we had, to, we had to bunker down in a Dollar General somewhere off of the Natchez Trace. And in, in the midst of all that, every moment, we long, we're continuing more and more longing to see this baby girl. So then we arrive at the hospital. We're ushered up to our room and we're sitting, um, having a moment just as they, go to get, as they go to get Zoe and just trying to prepare ourselves for seeing our, our girl for the first time. And then they wheel her in and, and, and she, in, in this little, um, little, little dolly thing was, 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 was our baby girl. And, and, and I see her and I lay eyes on her for the first time. And, and I'll never forget the moment that I was able to pick her up and hold her in my arms for the first time. 
I, there's, not a, there's not a way that I could have possibly physically squeezed any more joy or love out in that moment. And in that moment, I think about what Simeon felt when he held the Messiah. He held the Messiah. And in that moment, all the, every bit of joy and every bit of love that I could have mustered up pales in comparison to the joy that Simeon must have felt holding the Messiah, seeing a promise filled, seeing salvation extended to all. I pray today that, that you would experience the joy of seeing Jesus, the Messiah. I pray today that you would experience the true joy that comes from Jesus alone. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.